listening to the Gunslinger Podcast, a production of Flying Tom Studios. And now here's your hosts, the Apostle and Green River. Welcome, everyone. So I canceled my uh, tour to see the Titanic. Probably a good plan. Uh, turns out, apparently, that was not a good hobby interest. Who knew, right? Yeah. I don't know that a lot of thought went into that. I'm not. When, uh, you would think if you put some billionaires on a submarine yeah. that maybe some better thought. Well, would, the sub was controlled by... A Logitech computer, um, like a game controller, game controller. Yeah. Which honestly, this day and age, I see the sense in that. Oh, uh, maybe I don't know. I see the sense in that. I, there will come a time. Remember that that Robin Williams movie, Toys? Yeah, years ago. Yeah, and it turns out like his uncle was using the uh, the toy factory to, you know, he had kids playing video games, mm-hmm. and the idea was they were going to use these kids to control, you know, drones and things of that sort. I. It's brilliant. I mean, I think we're about there. So uh, apparently they uh, flunked the submarine level Uh, of that. So they ran out of extra lives. (laughs) This is where we started today, folks. We can only go up from here. So sorry. I apologize to any billionaires out there that was planning on doing a submarine tour. I didn't mean to step on your toes there. Uh, By all means. 20th episode, ladies and gentlemen. Number 20. Episode 20. So we we dropped our first one January the 7th. That was uh that was our episode with Shane anyway. I guess we did yeah. we did that little intro we episode little, before yeah, that. Like a trailer, I think, of, right before that. Officially the, the first episode was January 7th. Now here it is, June the 20 something. 22nd. 22nd. And uh we're at episode 20. So those of you that have listened from the beginning all the way to now, thank you. Those that have joined in later, thank you. Uh, those of you that are, this is your first episode, uh, where have you been this whole time? So well, I, There's that, yeah. Yeah, so what, what's the deal here, folks? What's going on? So what was your favorite episode so far? Mine? Yeah. Um, probably... Well, it's a little bit skewed, I guess, because of of how we record, Ex- excluding last week with the uh, wives. Oh, so yeah, the well, the obligation of, course of saying that, that was the favorite. Yeah. Uh, other than that one, what was your favorite? Uh, probably probably the the Jayhawker episode, and and I enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed him, uh, but when we recorded that, we also had had Giles here at the same time, and right? We, we did some recording with him, and that was. I, it, it was it was a fun time. We recorded that pretty much all at once, uh, so maybe it's two different episodes. But when we did it, we recorded it all together. So right, no, that, and that was that was gobs of fun. That was gobs of fun. I you know I don't know. That was episode ten, I guess. Yeah, I think yes, it yeah. was. It was yeah. our season finale for season one mm-hmm. kind of thing. I. You know, I think though I think I had more fun recording the live episode 
than I had. And, and I've enjoyed all of the episodes that we've recorded, some more than others, but I think the live one, because that was, that was the one where I felt the most like a DJ because we're taking live calls and, and that was neat. Yeah. I, I, I was stressing a little bit about the, on the technology aspect that day. So right. It, it wasn't as enjoyable yeah. well, for me trying to get it all working, but. And, but it worked out. It, it worked did. out. It, it worked, worked out yeah. pretty good. From yeah. what you all heard, it went wonderfully. So, well, as wonderfully uh, as this ever does. Once we got it figured out in the beginning, uh, it was great. Yeah. So, for most of you that, that have never done an interview on the show, uh, we actually we record these shows backwards. So, we actually will do our interview segment with our, with our callers. And uh, then once we're when we're done with the callers and we go back and recur, record the first half of the show, and we kind of base our time limits and things off that. So there's a little bit of, of podcast magic for you. That's how we do that. Yeah. I, I don't think any of you were standing around wondering about that, <laughs> but that's how we do it. Uh, so the live episode for me, that was, I don't know, I kind of enjoyed it because it was so it had to be right or everybody's going to see it kind of thing. It was, yeah, when but, they did. But I, you know, I if I had to name a favorite guest, I don't think I could. Well, I, I even, really don't. Even the live episode before we we went live, uh, we recorded the interview with with Dan Qualls. Yeah, didn't we? Like, yes, we all, did. All that's the same the same time for us. Right. Yeah. So we actually still did an interview before we did that, uh, even in that in that episode. And that's why we added that interview to that episode for anybody that didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I really I couldn't tell you who my favorite guest was, and I don't think it'd be fair to. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed getting to talk to people from the other organizations I knew a little less about, and uh, so that's been fun. Um, thanks everybody for participating up to this point. Yeah, so absolutely. not a lot more to be said than that. Now that being said, there is no guest this week, so I, if you're waiting around to hear from that, there's no there's no call in guest this week. I, I am your guest, if anything, the Apostle is your host. Or, or scratch that, reverse it, uh, if you'd like. Um, he can be the guest, and I'll be the host. Or did I say the same thing twice? Maybe. We'll I'll, let you, I'll, the listener, figure out what I meant there. I'll fix it when we edit. You can it, yeah, feel free to create your own interpretation. If I'm the guest, when's, when's dinner? Uh, shortly let's, after this recording. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so let's get so. this over with. Absolutely. And ironically, I think we're going to have breakfast. Really? Is that weird? Brenner. Yeah. yeah. Brenner. That's breakfast how we do it in Kentucky. Dinner. So I, on the Facebook, I asked all of you for questions, discussions, things of that sort. I've all but begged most of you for discussions since we started this in January. And uh, you should all work for the CIA because we just can't get <laughs> nothing out of you. <laughs> But we did get some questions, and we got some on the Facebook pages, and I got some sent to me in Messenger, and uh, I'm going to kind of go through them a little bit here today, and maybe they will be entertained. What is that? That's your phone. Oh, my work phone. Sorry, guys. This one, I make money off this phone, so I got to look at it. But anyway, they uh, we're going to go through these questions and I'm not going to say who asked what because it doesn't matter. Most, A lot of them are public, so you can figure it out if you really want to know, but most of them aren't really people-specific anyway. So, question number one. Okay. We were requested to discuss 
the long gun division mm-hmm. of Fast Draw. And the, uh, I don't know, the promotion of the long gun division and discussion of the long gun divisions. So let me start out by saying we've already done this. We did talk to, about to you the who's long already gun. who who yeah. suggested I do that. Yeah. Perhaps don't pick around to maybe what you think might be an interesting episode and listen to them all. <laughs> and maybe you would have already heard this. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm even mentioning it because you won't listen to this one either. But maybe not. Hey, let's talk about it anyway. We're yeah. we're here. So long gun. So what I, what for for those of you that may not understand quite what I'm talking about on that non shooters or maybe green shooters things of that sort uh, or other organizations because I've I've got a cabinet full of rule books here and I've dug through all of them today or at least I skimmed through all of them today and and somebody out there can correct me but Cowboy Fast Draw is the only organization that is really pushing any kind of promotion for shooting a seven and a half inch barrel Colt or Colt clone or something along those lines. And that's what we're talking about with the long gun for anybody that doesn't understand what I'm saying. Uh, it's what Matt Dillon shot. It's that, that long barreled pistol. Most of us don't use those because it's just that much more work to get it out of a holster. Uh, also they have to use a specific type of, you know, a California pattern, a slim Jim pattern holster to, to use that with. Uh, otherwise it's, that that's what they that's what Cowboy Fast Draw will refer to as the shootest division. And that is what this particular question is aimed towards. Now, the other organizations do not have any specifics on this. Uh there's no set competitions for this. I'm sure there are probably some local games where they all dig them out, but there's nothing in the rule book saying, you know, there's not there's no division. So this is mainly a cowboy fast draw question. That all being said. Um, well, it is, a, it is a challenging, uh, it's a challenging weapon to master. Sure. Um, and if you spend a lot of time on it and, and, and you can speak far better about this than me, but, uh, you can, you can affect your draw with the short gun. You can affect your stance with the short gun because you're, you're focusing on the long gun. Uh, and so. Yeah, it's going back and forth. Yeah, can cause a struggle. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And I would think so. I've always, you know, when we travel to events in the past, I've always done both. Uh, if I wasn't shooting long gun full time anyway, which I did for a couple years and and had some success, uh, then I would, you know, like a lot of shooters, especially in the east, and it doesn't seem to be as prevalent in the west on doing it this way. But in the east, we do our, you know, on category days. We'll do a separate shooters category after the rest of the category. Right. So you can shoot your regular category and then shoot the shooters category. And by the way, I hope that this is a dying idea. Let me throw that out there because it's absolutely <laughs> miserable. Uh, yeah. So write that down on your question there, uh, old person who wanted to hear this. Uh, I hope that goes away. Uh, I personally, as a match director, scorekeeper, blah, 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 I'd, just soon see categories go away altogether myself, but that's a different topic that I'd be happy to talk to any of you about anyway. But the specific long gun after everything else all day competition, we used to, we do that a lot in most of the places in the East. And I would swap to my long gun to shoot that competition, even if I wasn't using it for the rest of the competition. And I kind of quit doing that uh, this year, actually, just because it was so much shoulder 
issues for me. Mm-hmm. So many shoulder issues for me. But others do that. And as long as that is still an option, I'm glad that they all enjoy it. Uh, winning a shootist division with a long gun is tons of fun. I've done that many a time myself. And I'd, for those of you that have luck doing that, it's great. I guess the uh, the main point here is to is what is the what is the uh, the goal of a shooter that that straps on the big iron to go against everyone in the main matches who may not necessarily who actually I'd say the majority of shooters are not using the big iron. Well, that's the bragging rights right there. So when you win those matches, in my opinion, that's the best brag that you can throw. Now here's what I mean by that. So. Winning shooters divisions is a great, it's it's great, uh, it's a great brag. You did it, wonderful. But a shootist is going to win the shootist division. Sure, yeah. Forty uh, ers going to win the forty ers division. Very likely. So it's kind of the same deal at that point. So if you're the best shootist out of the shootist, great. But when you beat everybody with the long gun, then you can strut a little harder. Yeah, you've kind of done something then. Tenbender has cut a path of destruction across CFDA right now. Uh, he's won two or three events at least this year with it. Hmm. And I think he's at the top of the top gun points. He he pushed me out of the way, and he's at the very top of the heap right now, and he's doing all that with a long gun. Yeah. So if if you want to be an aspiring long gun shooter, right there's your goal. He's uh, Ask him what he's doing. He's apparently got it figured out. So good for you, Ten Bender. Good luck on. I, if you win it, man, I think you'll have made history because I somebody correct me if anybody's ever won the uh, the CFDA Top Gun points with a long gun. I I don't personally know about it, but that's a heck of a that's a heck it's of a quite boast. Quite the accomplishment, so, right there. Yeah. Good luck to you on that, sir. But that's what I have to say about the long gun. Did I miss anything? I don't know. Shoot the long gun if you no, never tried. I mean, it. I, the question I think asked for pros and cons. I would just throw out uh, unless you're going to, as you said, exclusively shoot the long gun. Yeah. Uh, another con, at least in my opinion, uh, because I'm poor, is you have to you have to buy another gun. You have to buy one, and you have to buy another holster. And this is a pretty Ruger and, heavy sport. Yeah. And if you want a Ruger new Vaquero, yeah, you're gonna shovel out some bucks for that. Yeah. And so I mean, I I think that's that's another reason why we don't see. Uh, in abundance of long gun shooters, it's it's just it's just more expense. If you're going to, and do this both. is already a very expensive sport to start Absolutely. up. In. It's not expensive to shoot. It's expensive to, to start started. shooting. Absolutely, especially if if it's not just you. Exactly. You know, when, when when we started, my family uh, is me and my wife and and our well, two to three kids and and golly, we need guns and we need belts and we need holsters yeah. and we need clothes and we need boots and. Now you got to go get them all long guns. Speeds and dues and yeah, it's it it adds up, adds up. So, well, and you have to acknowledge as a long gunner that you are putting a you're putting a little bit of a a bump in your road. You're you're purposely putting a a little bit of a handicap on yourself yeah. with that with that extra little bit of pull. Uh, good long gunners typically drop a few hundredths of a second. By, by putting that on, you just have to acknowledge that's what you're doing and go forward with it. Yep. So if that's a con, but that may be the con that you enjoy. Uh, for me, it was. For me, it, it, it was one thing. If I, if, I, if I won a match with a short gun, great. If I was the fastest time, great. But when I did all that with a long gun against other people using, you know, four and a half guns or five and a half guns, 
you know, I, I didn't mind pointing it out to them that I had done that sure. to them with this long gun. Yeah. But that's uh that's my humble nature coming out. Yeah. So maybe you all don't have that. Humility. So all right, that was question number one. Yeah, uh, that went a long time, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Especially, I've got, especially for something we've already talked about. I've got 13 more. <laughs> so here we go. You better get moving. Next topic that was asked to be uh that we were asked to bring up is building a practice range. Yeah. So this is a this is a new shooter uh, or perhaps a not started shooter kind of question, and and this is a really good one. So old Gr here, when he got into it, uh, I watched all the YouTube videos that I could find and read things on the internet, whatever else. Far as I knew, I had to be able to get that gun out of the holster and hit a target uh, as fast as I could. And at my house, sitting in my house or my garage at the time, all I knew was I needed to get good at hitting some. So I set up a water jug, this camping water jug that I'd bought at Walmart because it was just sitting in the garage not doing anything. And I set it up on a tool bench and uh, I shot at that thing. Shot my garage, just shot the piss out of my garage. But, I, you know, it was me pulling and aiming at this thing when I started. And it, I got really good at hitting it. I mean, why wouldn't you? Because that's all I did. That's I, you know, I practiced pulling the gun out and shooting at this jug, and I got really good at it. And then I went to my first competition and found out, well, I didn't do any of this correctly. What's well, because uh, they don't shoot jugs? Well, I I brought that up to them, <laughs> and they didn't think it. They, Wait a minute, where's where's the water jugs, yeah, guys? <laughs> it turns out I was the only one that had thought that was a good idea. Huh. Who knew? Uh, as happens so often in my life. I'm sure, but I'm sure you assumed they were all wrong. After a couple months of shooting and getting my butt handed to me, by the way, uh, I decided for me to truly improve, I was going to have to get some proper equipment. So I ponied up and bought two, two lanes from CFDA. And of course, this was me starting in CFDA. And by the way, five organizations. I don't think I've got a question from Simba, from anyone outside of CFDA. Just throwing that out there. Uh, that's the only people that seem to have participated in today's questions. So these questions are going to revolve mainly around CFDA, but building a practice range, I guess that could go for anyone. Sure. So in this particular instance, uh, because at least two of these other organizations didn't even exist at the time, I went and bought targets from CFDA, had them delivered to my house, and just having the, the proper equipment with the timers, uh, you know, the proper size target, which was a 24 inch target at the time, you know, AKA my favorite. Yeah. And, uh, I started shooting those at home and my times and my performance improved tremendously overnight, mm -hmm. tremendously overnight. So, you know, we talk about, you know, well, I use this kind of gun. I use this guy's holster. I use all good equipment. Well, that starting equipment is great all the way around. It's more than just a gun and a holster. Get to make the investment. Once you, once you decide this is going to be something you're going to do, I encourage whatever organization you're in, buy a proper target and timer. If you can, if you can afford it, it is, it is definitely worth the investment. Uh, people are using these lasers, these laser targets and, and things of that sort. I'm only going to say I have never enjoyed the experience on anyone I have ever tried. I've never used one. 
I, I, I use, I play with a laser at home, uh, but I'll leave it there. Uh, it, it was shooting wax at a steel target for me. Now I ordered mine directly from CFDA. Some people make their own. Some people, you know, aftermarket some stuff. There are other brands of equipment. I've traveled around. I've shot a lot of different, I've shot a few different organizations. I've shot on the other equipment. Personally, the CFDA equipment is my favorite. Uh, I just like it. I know it. I know how to make it work. I know how to make it function properly. Uh, it, it just it made it just made everything easier. You plug it in, you turn it on, and you go. But but again, and not to beat a hit dead horse on this issue, but it's more expense. It is more expense, and and, and nothing against CFDA because they they do have they have a great product. Sure, it's not cheap. It is it's, not. It's and it's not. That's what I mean. It's not just more expense. It's a bit more expense. But the biggest but question, it is a great product. I'm not trying to say it's not worth sure. it. It absolutely is. But the the biggest question that comes up at that point, it, it, usually on this topic, is the uh, the backstop itself. Right. And you know, targets are targets. You you go to Quick Draw, you go to CFDA, you go to wherever you go, you get your targets, and that, I mean that's it's neither here nor there. What are you gonna What are you shooting when you're not hitting the target? Is the next big question, and the best answer in old GR's personal opinion is ballistic nylon, and ballistic nylon ain't cheap. Yep, it ain't cheap. Plywood, very good, uh, excellent backstop. If you got a piece of, uh, and I'm not talking OSB, I'm talking plywood. If you've got some plywood to set up behind your target at home, excellent backstop. But but you will get bounce back. But you're gonna, it's gonna be like shooting rubber bullets at yep. that point. So yep. you just kind of have to know that going into it. Uh, when it, you kind of feel like you're in a real gunfight, then a little bit, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, you learn to hit your target because you don't want your target to hit you. You bob and weave, yeah. You know, but create all of that comes into creating consistency. So as with as with guns, as with holsters, go to your local club at whatever organization that you're shooting. And and see what they have and see what they recommend. But it's definitely worth sitting up an at-home range. I shot in my garage in the middle of Hartford, Kentucky, which is a city. It ain't much of one, but it is a city. <laughs> with, a, with a rest home directly across my front door and a hospital caddy corner to my house. And I shot in my garage for years with no issue. Yeah. No complaint, no nothing. Nah. It, perfectly fine. So it's very doable. Uh, question three. All right, this one's going to piss some people off. Okay. Everybody hold on to something. This one's going to be, and this is a rant <laughs> I've had, not on the show, but this is a this is a discussion that has come up a lot over several years, and I'm going to give Green River's discussion on this topic. Okay? No gospel here. This is just simply Green River's thoughts on this topic. Should Class A matches, again, Cowboy Fast Draw people, the only ones that threw anything out here, so I'm just talking about them. But let's expand that to world championships. Okay. okay. Right. So that could apply to anybody, I guess. Right. Uh, should Class A slash you know, the major titles be held Central United States? The answer to that question is absolutely freaking yes. But, and there is a huge but after that, uh, there has to be people with 
bankrolls in the middle of the country willing to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole answer right there. Yeah. Um, and, and this discussion is happening a lot and this discussion has been going on for years, but unfortunately this year, both class, both CFDA class A events are on the, the West coast, yeah. extreme West coast. Um, uh, not a shot at the people hosting these events. Let me, let me make that clear. So, so they, we just had the nationals at California, uh, foul shot Huckleberry Honey and their club members and, and family members and things put this on. I've heard nothing but phenomenal comments about this event. Uh, people saying it was one of the best events they've ever been to. They, the shooters were very well taken care of. Phenomenal. Uh, it was, it was one of those deals of, I've had people call me and tell me it's, if, if you go to anything, go to this one. So let, let me make that clear. This isn't a shot at anybody out West. This is simply a matter of wherever it is, it screws everybody on the other side of the country. Oh, certainly. I, and, and with us being in the East, if it was in Virginia, that's, that's, that's going to shaft the people in, in the yeah. far West. So I mean, yeah, yeah, if absolutely. we move it to North Carolina, you know, sorry, California. Now it's, now it's on you. Uh, the problem there is that fast is going to live never moves. So it's, it's always going to be in Fallon, Nevada. So I've had people all year. Hey man, you're having a great year. You need to go to worlds. You need to go to worlds folks. I'm not going to worlds. I cannot afford to go to worlds. I cannot afford the $3,000 trip to go to worlds after cancer last year. By the way, my wife had cancer last year. For those of you that didn't know that, um, we're not hurt, but we ain't sitting on stacks of cash. We've shot seven events this year. Yeah, but uh, I'll talk more about that later. Um, we just can't go. It's too far. Sure. So going to California and and Nevada, it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, would it have made a difference if that event was 10 hours down the road? Sure would have. Sure would have. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Can't go. So it's not going to happen. So then the question comes up, and it came up on Facebook. Well, why don't we just move nationals to the east? Okay. Well, we could do that, and and I, I don't think it's a huge secret that that has been a goal of mine as as one of the members of Bluegrass Fast Draw. That is inevitably our plan. Nobody forbid us from doing it this year. Matter of fact, it was kind of waved at us a little bit this year. We just weren't ready. Right. We just weren't ready. Uh, it's a goal. We're just not there yet. That's why it's not here. Uh, nobody else over here is raising their hand. Uh, trust me, I want it over here. And when it gets over here, I want to keep it over here. We're just not, we just don't have it. Should they all be in the middle of the United States? Absolutely, they should. That is the fairest scenario. I don't give a damn if you disagree with that whatsoever. You can call me. I'll happily talk to you. If you meet me in person, I'll happily meet talk to you about it in person. And I don't care who you are. Yes, they should be in the middle of the friggin' country. That is the only fair scenario. This isn't the NBA where we're all getting flown around on jets and paid to be there. We all have to spend our vacation money uh, and our time to get to these events. So would it be the most fair opportunity to have them in the middle of the country? Yes. But just because it's but fair the logistics doesn't of mean that it's, it's feasible. Doesn't make yeah. it possible. Yeah, just because it's fair doesn't mean it's feasible. There are, yeah, uh, no doubt. Not not that I've ever put one on, but tons of logistics and moving parts in in putting on an event. I will like that, I will sure. vow right now, and I will do this publicly for you all. 
If you move Nationals and Worlds to Arkansas, I will be there and run them. I will run them for you. I will be the head guy. You can you can yell at me all you want. I, I'll give you this guarantee now. I'm not going to pay for it. Y'all, Somebody else is going to pay for it. Uh, somebody else is going to build all the ranges because I don't live in that state. But I'll show up and boss everybody around if you want. I can do that. That's not a bad deal. I can do that. You can let Jaws pay for it. He's got the money. Sure. I mean, he's got airplanes. He's a freaking pilot. He f- flies them. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know. So, that's my discussion on that. If that pissed you off, give me a call. 270-256-0675. I'm the easiest person to reach in fast draw. Always have been. But that's where I stand on it. Uh, top gun points. Somebody asked uh, some complaints about top gun points. Uh, I'm not really even going to discuss this. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I didn't see the point. Uh, okay. I read the I've, question. I've never chased top gun points personally. Uh, we do them both locally and of course, and I, I, I don't know that every organization does that either. I think XFDA does a top gun point kind of thing. But I don't know that for sure. Somebody can fill me in on that one. Um, but I know CFDA does. In that, what that what and what that means is for those of you that don't know what Top Gun points, blah blah blah, what all this is. So for CFDA as a whole, what that they, what they'll do is they'll take all the events that you've gone to that year, the titled events, Class B, which is a state or territory match, and Class A, which is Worlds and Nationals, and they take your six best times, your six your six highest rankings. They add those points together. You get so many points depending on where you placed at each of those events, and then they add it all up. And at the end of the year, the top ten people on each, you know, men and women get a something. I don't know. Uh, and, and and I don't I don't recall who who posed the question. I remember reading it on the Facebook page. Um, it, it is a metric to to measure those things. I, there's there's nothing wrong with it in my opinion. But I, I I have never looked at it as, oh, who won Top Gun? They're they're the Top Gun. I mean, well, like they're, I think they're the best shooter in the country. I, I've never really looked at it that way myself, and I felt like the question was posed in a way of, why is whoever gets to go to all the events and do right. really well? Why 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 are they the top person? Well, I, and I I, I've I don't know that it it's that viewed way. that way. I've never. Had well, anybody, that's what I'm saying. I, I never viewed it that I've way. I've never had anybody discuss it that way with me before. And some people um, chase 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 the points, now, and I that's, feel, that's great. I feel pretty confident Joby Wales won both the World Championship and Top Gun points last year. So at that point, yeah, he got to brag that he had the best year of anybody all the way around. Well, and I don't want to diminish uh, Top Gun points. But it, I don't it's an think that's typically the way it turns. And I don't know. I've never chased them before. Yeah. I happen to be pretty high on the mountain this year. But it just it was in it it was it was inadvertent. But, I didn't go into this but season that was sort of a, points. for you. It was a byproduct of what yeah, you were just, wanting to I just accomplish. So happened to have had a pretty dang right. good year so far. Right. I don't know. So maybe I'll end up in the top ten for Top Gun points. Maybe I'll be pushed out. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't really... That's it. That's all the discussion I'm giving that one. Okay. So, I, I other than we do have them in our local club, we'll do... I think at our local club, we do like January, March, April, May, June, July, and August. Yes. And then I think we drop one. I think so. I don't... I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's how we do it. And the winner gets a buckle. So there yeah. you go. Enough said. Moving on. Number five. Holy crap, we're only on five. Yeah. So <sighs> let's go back to that Class A discussion here we had just a few minutes ago. What does it entail to put on Class A and Class B matches? So this is going to shed a little light on those of you that might have your arms crossed and your butt hurt from uh, my earlier discussion of Class A events. Let me shed some light on it for you. And I can do this. Uh, I can do this uh, standing tall because uh, I'm not just a shooter. Uh, I've also been a match director. I've also been a CFDA regulator. My wife is one of the, the top scorekeepers in the sport. Uh, folks, if it's doable, we've done it. And not only have we done it, we've taught others how to do it. We've done it so well. It's not a brag. It's in the books. Go figure it out. It's maybe a little bit of a brag. It's uh, it's a proclamation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, I'll go with that. I like I'll that. I'll go with that. I like that. That's that's creative. Yeah. Go go ahead. All right. Lincoln and then me. Yeah. Proclamation. Right. You know, top proclamations <laughs> right there. All right. Anyway. No, we've we just we've done it. So what does it take to put on class A and class B matches? Now, here's why I bring this up. So let me, this is Green River's thoughts and thought processes on this. I have no titles right now, folks. I have, I'm not a marshal. I'm not a regulator. I'm not a match director. I'm not a club leader. I'm nothing. I am a DJ in my house. The views of this gunslinger do not represent the views of yes, the Cowboy Festival I Association. no one in what I'm saying right now, okay? And we'll talk more about that later, too. In my experience, the process is entirely too convoluted. Okay. Okay. Explain. So, you shooters who have never put on a match, uh, shut up about how you want them to go until you do. If that makes you mad, give me a call, 270-256-0675. But that's that's just it. Uh, You don't like how matches go, put one on. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about Kentucky. I'm talking about everywhere. So let me let me make sure you understand that. You don't understand how much work goes into this with no return to the people doing the work until you do it yourself. Okay? Spirit of the game, love of the game, so on and so forth. Listen, folks, until you've built the ranges, until you've stressed over the money, until you have had angry people for no reason calling you for the silliest of things, you just don't know what is going into this. Now, that's any kind of event. You want to hold a boxing match? You want to hold a pig wrestling match? You want to hold a a race car event? These kind of things go into all of those, okay? So if you want to hold any kind of public event, these are some of the things you have to deal with. We have to deal with this with gunslingers okay so it's simple as that so going into a class b let's start in because i've never ran a class a i I haven't done that so let me back up say i haven't done that like two minutes ago said if it's been done well i wasn't done done. we've taught people i was still talking so liar i was getting to the point where i said oh by the way i haven't done this (laughs) well that's why lincoln's above me okay so all right but anyway they uh to put on a Class B CFDA match, and I'm not talking about any other organizations, because I'm just not. It it just doesn't it doesn't come into the, it doesn't come into play as far as my perspective goes. 
CFDA matches. You, you have to give a certain amount of prize money away. You have to. You have to. Uh, some of you aren't. Let me go ahead and publicly say that, match directors across the country. Some of you aren't. We, we can tell you aren't. And this is required by CFDA. This is required by CFDA. Some of you ain't doing it. Most of you are. Okay. Uh, but regardless, folks who are coming to shoot and not putting the event on, these people have to have the money in hand to be able to do it. Right. Bluegrass Fast Draw in Kentucky has been so overly blessed. Cup runneth over in that the, our local community and local governments have just have. And, and, and Shane, ta- Shane needs a lot of this credit, too, because Shane has such a good standing with the public that we have built up a foundation for bluegrass to be able to put these events on and not really worry about the financial part of it. Right. This is not the case for a lot of the event around the country. These people are sitting there, they're pulling their hair out waiting on you to send in your money because they need your money to put on the event that you're paying to come to. It's not like they have $5,000 or $7,500 sitting in their hand. No, they're banking on early registration. They're banking on your your money coming in to put this event on. And when when you're paying when you get there, sometimes you can't help it. Your financial situation is what it is. But just so you know, these people don't have this money just sitting around. This isn't a sport of millionaires. It's just not. These are, this is a common man sport. And if you don't have that kind of money to throw around, you have to go ahead and figure that no one else does either. And you've got to keep that in mind first and foremost going into these events. These people need your money to put their event on for you to shoot in. Until there is a national fast draw association, you know, funded by some billionaire who didn't sink in a submarine uh, and, until that point comes around, you you've got to rely on, on common folk to have the, to, to have your money to put your event on. Yeah. It's not like, Hey, this cost the club a hundred dollars to put this state match on and they're going to make 5,000 off of it. Right. That's not the case. Not even close. And I don't, I, I don't know that a lot of people realize that. Exactly. You know? And, and oh, we're just setting up some ranges and doing this and doing that. There's just there's a few trophies. For those of you that, that like to brag and talk about how the sports are growing all across the country and whatever, okay, let me tell you what is really happening in fast draw culture, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this before. Five organizations, five organizations in the continental United States, there are roughly 2,000 active shooters. That's it. I'll 270-256-0675. Call me. I'll argue with you. I'll produce the numbers. That's it. And I'm talking people that are actively going to their clubs and shooting matches. That's what I'm talking about. I don't care your life member badge. I don't care. Um, That's what we have to work with. So every time you see a new club pop up or a new state match or something like that pop up, what we have is we only we have one bottle of water in our hand. There's only there's only 12 ounces of water in that bottle. That's it. But we're trying to take that one bottle of water and spread it further and further across the country. Because you look at this. Go to go to let's okay. Right, here we go. We're going right down the rabbit hole. Oh boy. Go to Cowboy Fast Draw. Go to the alias page. Yeah. Count the aliases. Roughly 2,200. Last time I looked at it. 
Then go to the Top Gun points. Roughly 700 people will will participate in titled events. Most of them only one. These are titled events, probably their local event. Yeah. You all know as well as I do, you see the same people at most of the events you go to. Uh, if, if an event has 60 people, 30 of them are traveling to every event around the area and you, you'll see them at multiple events. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not more than that, if not more than that, quite frankly, you'll see a few locals and that's about it. We're, we're taking the same groups of people, and this is every organization. Argue with me if you want, but it's happening. This is the same organization. We're creating more and more events, more and more clubs with the same people and calling it growth. That's not growth. That is taking that bottle of water and pouring it on a table and watching it just spread wider and wider and thinner and thinner. Well, well, I'm argue a little bit. It's not, it's not necessarily member growth, but as you just said, you're going to have local people shooting these events. So the more Class B events you have popping up, that's local people to that location. Hey, was it uh, Georgia th- this year? They did theirs at their range. Sure, right. They, this is the first time they've had it at their range. Right. So were there people participating in this event who who have never participated in a Class B event? Very likely. So Probably. Now, and I'm not saying that's that's a ton of growth or the growth that maybe we're wanting to see, but more local events, more events around the country does maybe equate to But those to folks some were growth. already active shooters. They were already at least competing at a local level. Yeah, very likely. Is, is my point yeah, Oh, there. yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. So at a local level, sure. I hope we're growing in members. Let me... I'm not being a doomsayer here. I hope we're growing in communities. But look at the events. Look, in, look at the pictures of these events. Read a Gunslinger Gazette. Go to a Facebook and look at these events and see if you don't see a lot of the same faces. I, I've, I've shot seven matches this year. And I've seen the same people at a lot of them, Um, which I'm not complaining because I love these people. But at the same time, be careful what you would. And and I'm, I'm bringing all this out in the public to say that class B matches are now competing with the the usual people. Now it's not even trying to compete to get people off the street to come to these events. Now we, now we have to compete with the people, you know, we used to, we had two matches in the Eastern Territory. So, you know, the same big groups of people, you could count on them to go to both those matches. And now we're, we've about doubled that. Yeah. So now even our usuals have to, you know, I, well, I can go to Virginia, but I can't go to Florida. I can go to, you know, I can go to Kentucky, but I can't make it to Georgia. To Georgia. Or Arkansas. Uh, it, it, it's, and it's that, it's going to be that way across the country. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we cram more and more events on top of each other, which is great. And I, I do encourage that. I do encourage assisting your sister clubs around the country and building them up well, yeah, to, to make it, to make it easier for them to start a class B match, but just sit sticking one in a state where there's nothing going on to say you had a state match. There is there's a dilution. I mean, you're, you're diluting it at that point because, like you said, it's it's not it's not going to be you, a lot. You of the can't same just people. stick one where there's nobody and call it growth. Yeah, you can't do it. What you're doing is you're taking money and time away from other matches. Yeah, and whatever. Hey, this is capitalism. We believe in everybody gets to scratch for the dollar as hard as they want to. You feel free to do it how you want. 
But this is something that is affecting match directors. They need your money, and now they're getting less and less of your people. And this is the biggest reason why. Not that the culture is dying, but the culture is getting spread so thin. Okay? So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Now, that also being said, uh, I've done this several years myself. Uh, It is one of the most stressful things in the world to put these events on. And it's year long. It's year long making plans, getting venues. We we just had a, a CFDA club lose their venue weeks before their event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Major D and his club, and I hope it goes well. God willing, if I could get there, I would, and I'd help out if I could. But I think they have a new venue, and I hope their event goes well. But had the rug pulled out from under them, and I know that's not the first time that's ever happened. So this is the kind of thing that match directors are 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 competing with to provide you this match to show up and whine at. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because I've heard it. So keep all that in mind. Yeah, this isn't going to be the happy. Why do you do this like this? Why this is isn't this the happiest episode right? I realized. You know, but yeah. yeah, this is, this is if, if you want the hard, you want to ask the hard questions, which I encourage, these are the real answers. So the next time you decide to go and complain to your match director, keep in mind they're under a lot of strain. Yeah. A lot of strain. Uh, all right. Carrying a firearm. Moving on. Yeah. I, I, well, and that's, we're dealing with people with guns. Of course, they're all empty, but, or they better be, better but be. that's a different discussion. We're taking number six, someone asked about the process of taking guns on airplanes. Uh, my suggestion is do it legally. Don't just walk in and try to take your gun on an airplane. I honestly I don't even, I don't know the pro and what they're what they're referring to is going to a traveling to a match. Uh the TSA has regulations. Yeah, they uh, it has to be in checked luggage. I know. You have to have a TSA uh, lock on the gun box. Yep. There yep. is Cowboy Fastdraw has a page dedicated to this. Folks, I have made I've been on an airplane four times and all four of those times were a flight to Connecticut and back basically. I flew to Georgia, then got on a plane and flew to New York City, and then I eventually got back on the plane in New York City and flew to Georgia and then flew back to Evansville. Uh, that is, in 43 years, all the time I've ever spent on an airplane uh, when I went to do the Forest and Fire episode. Yeah. I don't know crap about it, but what I do know is my dumb hillbilly self managed to get into the Atlanta airport and LaGuardia airport and found my way around just fine. People do this every day. And if I can do it, it can't be that hard. So don't overthink the guns on the airplane process. It's just it's well, just, just luggage. Just, just ask. Yeah, it's just, just luggage. Don't. Show up with it in a box. Go to Cowboy Fast Trail. Get the guidelines that they have posted. And then call the airport and ask them. Well, you, you say don't overthink it, but also... Do think about it. Don't show. Don't overthink it. But don't, don't be an shove idiot. the pistol in your belt <laughs> exactly. and just try to walk on the plane. Exactly. Or do it. It's up to you. Know, I'm not here to tell you how to live. Excuse me, so, flight attendant. Yeah. Can you hold this for me? Yeah. Do you have any ammo? Yeah. yeah. But whatever. Moving on. Number seven. Should you stop practicing on an off? Okay. And 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 this question came. This was a shooter who was having a terrible day. Was missing a lot. And the question came up of. If you're having that bad of a day in your practice routine, should you just stop? This is Green River. Stop practicing answering this question. Well, I think just at that point. That should you end your practice session? Okay. This is my opinion on the matter. I have 
I'm, I'm answering this question because I'm the guy with the microphone right now. So you can put as much merit in what is I, what I'm saying as you want to, in my personal opinion and my personal experience. Yes, you should. Uh, if you're, if you're doing the same thing that you've practiced, uh, day in and day out and today it's just not working, uh, step away, take even a day or two off if you can, and maybe come back. If it starts again, don't keep doing it. If it's not working, don't practice doing it until you get it right. Cause you won't get it right. You're just going to mess yourself up further. Get up closer to the target, figure out what you're doing, uh, hit the target. Anything that you're doing that's causing you to miss the target is bad practice routine. So get up five foot, eight foot, 10 foot from the target, get yourself back on it, and then work yourself back to your, your, uh, your, your usual point. Well, when, so, you're, when you're frustrated in those moments, it, it, it's not going to help you The succeed. matter you are, the worse it's going to get. Oh, and the more fatigued you are, yep. the worse you're, you're going to be at this. So yes, uh, if you're having a bad moment, step away. Step away for an hour, step away for a day or two. Uh, I have, I've, I've thrown my gun in the safe and walked away for a week after having just, just a bad run, just constant bad runs, come back a week later and nail drive it. Uh, sometimes it's, it's life. Uh, sometimes you've had a bad week. Sometimes your arm hurts. Sometimes who knows? It's just, yeah, don't, don't teach yourself to keep missing. And if you just get just absolutely fed up, then just Take your weapons, put them in a box, ship them to the Gunslinger podcast. Yeah. Care of Nick Maiden. Exactly. Just say I've had enough of yeah. it here. Take just, these. Just, just be done with it. Yeah. And ship us your guns, and it'll all be fine. You'll never have to worry about it again. I say that after we just talked about growth. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, quit. you know. Just go quit. buy more. Just send, me, me, your send me those and go buy more. Yeah, those guns are obviously no yeah, good. Yeah, they're clearly defective. <laughs> all right. Uh, number eight. How much should you practice? All right. Once again, this is OGR here. Uh, I'm as qualified to talk about anything as I am uh, NASA technology. Enough but, but to here be we good. Go. I'm the, listen, and if you don't want to hear me, start your own show. That's all I can say. Uh, practice as much as you can enjoy doing it. That is the best advice I can give anyone. Practice as much as you can have fun doing it. Yeah. When you start getting frustrated, stop. When you start missing, stop. Uh, now, that being said, I'm speaking as, you know, how many days a week? How many times a day? Many as you want, as long as you're enjoying it. How many shots at one time? That one I'll put a number on. Uh, so I strap my pistol on, go down to the building and decide to have a practice session I will in no way ever shoot more than 50 rounds at one time. This is a rule I put on myself years ago because at that point, f fatigue starts setting in. You typically start getting in a hurry and it's you can start teaching yourself some bad, some bad mojo there. I, these days, I don't shoot more than 25 at a time. My, my practice routine is 25 shots. That's it. Uh, I go up, do my math on my hits, and I leave. I don't really even pay much attention to speed numbers anymore. It's just my my percentage on my hits. That's how I do it. Um, but as, as long as you're having fun with it and enjoying it and keeping yourself in a positive mentality, keep practicing. Well, a lot of it depends on what, what are you trying to gain. As you just mentioned, are you trying to get more accurate? 
or are you trying to get faster? Uh, so much of this sport is based on muscle memory, and muscle memory comes from repetition. Right. So you you need to practice to develop that muscle memory to to draw the same way every time that hits the target. Exactly. You know, if you're shooting for accuracy, if that's what you're trying to to get from your practice is more accurate, it's going to take repetition. Well, and there's an experience point of this as well. Uh, when I was when I was newer in this, I shot a lot more, but I was greener. Right. And I was still learning a lot of things. I have so many things that I do now. And I talk about my crappy draw a lot, whatever else. No, well, I, I, I don't have a crappy draw. I have a very long draw. Uh, and experienced shooters know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not going to go into the details of it. But what I have done with that, oops, sorry. What I have done with that works very well because over the years I've put so much effort into it that I, it doesn't take me a lot to maintain that now. Right. Uh, so I don't put near the effort into it that I that I used to, but I still try to practice as much as I'm enjoying it. And inevitably, I have a bad day, and when I have a bad day, I throw the gun down and I leave and I quit, uh, because I know if I keep trying to shoot till it gets better, it won't. So, Absolutely. And if you get to that point, listener, just just put your nail gun in your a box, guns, mail them to Kentucky, and and we'll. We'll make sure you never see those guns again. <laughs> so those pesky guns. So uh, let's see. Number nine, how to line up at the firing line. So this is a question that someone uh, posed on here. Uh, and, and this is a universal question, I suppose. So ironically, I think part-time just made one of his videos about this exact topic too. So if you didn't watch you uh, part-time's YouTube video, I'll give you at least my really quick version of, of uh, how do you line up on the line. And for non-shooters, what they're talking about is in fast draw, we have we have a stance. So every every shooter, regardless of casual to, to everyday shooters, uh, they go up to the line and they have a routine that they get into before they start shooting their shots, okay? Some people, it's very basic. Others, it's extremely convoluted and almost comical. Uh, I kind of lean towards that. So... The best thing that I can tell anyone, this is this is how OGR does his, okay? I go and I'm a right-handed shooter. So this could mirror left-handed, I suppose. So the way I do it, the way I recommend doing it, and this is the way I teach new shooters as well. So I go to the firing line and I personally at this point square myself with the target. Uh, and what I mean by that is I stand directly, you know, shoulders even with the edges of the target, okay? I set my right foot at the firing line. And then at that point, well, actually, let me back up. I get up there, I square myself with the target, and then I check my holster placement because every organization has rules of where the holster is supposed to be, the angle that it's supposed to be worn, and that includes not just how the holster is made, but how the holster is worn. Read your friggin' book, people. Uh... But I check that every time I go to the line. Uh, and I don't do it necessarily for rule compliance. I do it for consistency. If my holster is in the same place and facing the same way every time, I'm already in a consistent manner. It helps with my hitting. I set my right foot exactly where I have trained myself to put it. And then I go into my stance from there. I usually, I, I'll put my left foot in behind me. And I, and I set my weight on, I, I kind of have, me personally, I have a weird twist with my left leg. I kind of turn it 
in what I like almost like I broke it and I almost kind of sit on my left leg. I don't know. I, I could do a video to show you what I'm doing, but that's how I, I put all that weight on my left leg. Then I square my shoulders and I'll do a practice draw and literally shift my body to where the gun is pointing at the target. Then I lock everything in place, holster my gun and wait for the light. That's how I do it. At that point, my muscle memory takes over and, and I, most of the time I've got a pretty good hit ratio. So that's, that's how I personally do it. There's some changes that any individual could go up and make to what I just told you, but it's definitely a great starting point for anybody that's looking how to, to do that sort of thing. That's how I do it. Uh, let's see. And then some, uh, number 10, someone I'll also ask, give us a cure for slip cocking. Well, don't. Here is a $1,000 remedy for you. For anybody that wants to pay it, I'll tell you exactly how to do this, but I won't tell you if you don't send me the money. How's that sound? <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you people. I'll tell you. Here's how you do it. Now, I don't, I don't slip cock. I do not. Uh, like virtually ever. I don't remember the last slip cock I've had in a match. Uh, now, I got a match in two days in Kentucky. I may never get my gun out of my holster and eat my words. But it's, it's not a, it's, I, I just don't do it. I don't boot shot. I don't slip cock. Both of those things, in my personal opinion, happen most prevalently due to overthinking. Yeah, probably. You, you, you are thinking way too much about your shot. You're, you're stressed out about your match. And you change what you've practiced. You do not preach what you have practiced. So your, your practice routine should be mirror image to how you go to the line and shoot Well, it comes, every time. It comes from an, anticipating the light. And I don't mean the rule violation of anticipation, but just in general, you're anticipating that light and you're, you're so tensed and so ready and you're like, oh, I got I to gotta pull, well, I got to pull, I got to pull, I got to pull. And, and you're, you're trying to pull fast, which is, which is the game. But but it it's I think it's that anticipation. People typically slipcock trying to go their fastest. And this is usually a problem with faster shooters. This is most prevalently a, a problem with faster shooters. Uh and the reason being is because most fast shooters lose their rounds because they miss the target. Yeah. Okay. This this and this is mainly a cowboy fast draw scenario. Okay. This may not be a blocker organization problem, but in, in cowboy fast draw, most shooters lose a round because they miss the target. And in my experience, it's people that are stressed out needing to, to, to hit a target that start slip cocking. And it is, it is 90% mental. Now there are thumb issues. There are draw issues. The, the other part of that is when practice shooters start doing it, it's because usually candid holster shooters start pulling up instead of back. Yeah. That is the other reason. Uh, and, and usually more experienced shooters, that's, that's why. But most of the time, if you want the cure for slip cocking, here it is. Quit overthinking it. You've practiced at home. You shot by yourself at home. Now you're on the firing line. You need to pretend you're at home and you need to do exactly what you did there and quit worrying about what the person beside you is doing. 
or what the people behind you are watching you do because it's completely irrelevant. Shoot your shot the exact way that you practiced it. And most of the time, that problem will take care of itself. That's my opinion. If you disagree, that's perfectly okay. You might even be right. This is just in my experience. That is my answer for it. All right, moving on. Uh, here's, here's another, this, this is going to be a fun one. And I kind of know where I, well, I know exactly where this one came from and I know the scenario behind it. So what do we think about piss poor attitudes and cocky, horrible attitudes on the firing lines in our shooting events? Well, I'm not angry. Well, just Folks, we could do a three-part episode on this one oh, yeah. alone, comfortably. Again, I know where this is coming from. I'll leave it at that. Uh, it should be stopped. It should absolutely be stopped. Now, let me make sure everybody understands what we're talking about here. So this sport, like any other sport, is filled with passionate people who love what they do, who devote themselves to it, who devote themselves to a, to a, an art almost more than a sport. And, and discouragement comes with that at times. And there are people that leave the line absolutely discouraged with, with their own performance, uh, seething mad at times. And that can be done as long as they handle themselves properly. I don't know how else to say it than that. It, it, you can't tell someone not to be discouraged with how they, if I go to the line and I shoot 10 shots and miss them all, I'm just pissed at myself. Uh, and, and many of you will do the same thing and that's folks, that's okay. It's not okay. However, to throw your crap on the ground and stomp off the line and not shake people's hands. It's not okay to, to berate people or to belittle them. It's certainly not okay to go to the line thinking that you're better than anyone else. If, if that is how you are promoting yourself, if that is how you're promoting other people, get out of this. Get out of this. Uh, you need to go do something else. Well, and also if you're that way, and you may not care, but if you are that way, most of the people around you can't stand you. Right. Because you, nobody can you've stand got to understand being that around a person that acts that way. We're going back to, let, let's go backwards a little bit to, you know, these people paid to be here. Right. Just like you did. Uh, they paid to have a good time. And I don't care what organization it is, spirit of the game, stage front, blah, blah, blah. I don't, it's irrelevant. It's completely, this is, this isn't organizational. This is, this is how we're supposed to be as people. Sure. This is how you act in, in real life. Uh, this is how you treat people. What do you, how do you treat people at a restaurant? You know, what if you have a server, a crappy server, I'll get up, I'll get up and punch you in the face. If I see you mistreating a server, I worked in the service industry. I, I won't put up with it. I've been that person. And I've had to learn better. Uh, I don't care about your crappy experience. You don't get to ruin it for everybody else. Everybody. Uh, we're all just people. We all make mistakes. We all have bad days. Learn to be better than this. We should be. So, all right, here we go. Let's go further down this rabbit hole. When I got into fast draw, this is just old GR off the street with his gun and his holster that he bought off the internet, uh, which was a Mernicle. It was a D5. It was a straight up and down holster. It was a nice holster, but I, I just didn't enjoy it. Uh, 
that's not where I'm going. You're but wandering I just, I just a thought I'd brush that up. So, <laughs> but you know, I come in off the street, meet these total strangers. I'm I'm the extrovert who just walks in the building and says, "Hey, I got my stuff. What do I do? Here we go." And I I just I start playing. That's that's it's just me. That's what I do. I don't care. Uh, I've been laughed at before. I'll be laughed at again. Uh, but I'm never going to get to experience the good stuff if I don't get if I don't get to experience the bad. But what I did is I walked into a phenomenal, wonderful group of people who didn't just welcome me as a shooter, just welcomed me as a family member. And and folks, we throw that family term around a lot in fast draw, a lot in fast draw culture. I don't know how many of you came from full house families, but I didn't. I didn't even come from close. And I don't mind telling you that because none of my family's listening to this because they don't give a shit. Uh, they're not supporting me in any of this. So I, I don't mind to tell you that. But I, when we throw the family term out there, we, we always mean it in a good way. It just, we got to remember family times struggle too. And when I walked into Bluegrass Fast Draw, these people absolutely welcomed me and, and made me part of a group that, you know, we, we all seek to belong somewhere, to truly feel like we belong somewhere. And Bluegrass Fast Draw did that for me and my family on a level that, you know, I, 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 it's, it's indescribable. So in my mind, because it's all I knew, this was how all Fast Draw was. It's not. It ain't even close. No. It ain't even close. Uh, that is my goal is to make it that. So for those of you that have wondered what 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 I do, why we do what we do, that's why. Listen, throw the buckles in the trash. Throw the buckles in the trash. Uh, if 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 I fall over today, I hope it. I hope what you remember is that you know he tried to make it better for us. That's what I want. I don't give a shit if you think I'm a good shooter or not. I could care less. Uh, I, I hope you. I hope you remember that we tried to improve it. I thought everybody was going to feel that way, and they didn't. So what you what 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 we found are more and more turds in the in this punch bowl, and unfortunately, we have an abundance of them these days that are just ruining it for everybody else. So push these people out. That's my answer. Push these people out. Well, sometimes you just yeah you have you have to. I, there it is, folks. You know, I quit quit dealing with it. Make these people go away. Listen, uh, there you go. You, you take, There's your answer. You take fast draw out of the equation. If there's toxic people in my life in general, I don't deal with it. I'm cutting them out. I don't do. I sure as hell ain't going to put up with them at an event that I have to travel and pay money to get to. My wife not going to do it. You would probably appreciate this. My wife recently uh, designed a shirt. I think she saw it somewhere, but she made a shirt, and it says, "You don't have to be dead to be dead to me." Yeah, that's great. You know, <laughs> folks, we we've got a that's 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 the GR answer for you right there. This Why is, are we still allowing this to happen? You have really made this not a happy, warm. Fuzzy we're going to get there. We're going to get there. I promise <laughs> we're going to get there. Uh, but we're not getting there yet. Uh, inconsistency with the dress code. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not a question. We're going further down. That's we're going further yeah. down a rabbit hole. It's going to get worse before it gets better. The topic of the inconsistencies. Uh oh, I'm getting a phone call now. Somebody is uh, is calling to argue. Oh no, it's a spam call. So never mind. 
I thought some. I, I already, we have, we're not live, Man, so I don't know how in the hell anybody was mad at me yet. But <laughs> that was Cal calling you. I yeah. was going to die. <laughs> that would be great. But anyway, uh, where were we? oh inconsistency. yeah, inconsistency on the dress code. All right, here is here is. I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Not very far anyway. Not as far as I've gone on the other ones. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this about any organization. Not just Cowboy Fast Draw. I'm going to say this about any organization and any rule. If there is any rule that cannot be universally understood, it's a bad bad rule. rule. Yeah. If five people disagree on how it should be interpreted, it is a bad rule. Well, it, it may not Period. be a bad rule. It's it's at least a, a vague and poorly written no, rule. No, I'll disagree because of the people that we depend on to enforce these rules. We don't have elected officials everywhere doing this. We don't have police officers standing around watching this. We have Johnny off the street in every, straight, every state in the continental United States who is doing this on their own time. We have to have rules and established standards that anybody off the street can look at and not have any question right or wrong at any given time. If that is not achievable, it is a bad rule. Does everybody get that? Done. All right, moving on. Has there ever been a fist fight on the, on the firing line? I, I don't know the answer to that, has there? I don't know either. How, how many have you started? I will say in CFDA alone, and, and folks, that's just all I know. In CFDA alone, to my knowledge, no. But I know there's been a hell of a lot of them discussed because I've damn near been in at least one this year myself. Well, I, when you say on the line, that's that narrows it down. Yeah. Now, I'd if you say, said at an event, there may be. Well, a few. and that's that was my next point. Now, how many times have they thrown the belts on the ground and went out behind the yeah. the stands? I bet probably more than I we probably happened. know. I bet it's um, happened. I'll almost. I'll, matter of fact, I'll guarantee you, it probably needs to happen more often. <laughs> Going back to the unsportsmanship, yeah. you know, all that kind of yeah. thing. It probably needs to happen more often than it has. Well, you know, if we want to behave um, like the old west culture, yeah, somebody behaving that way, there needs to be a couple people take them out back and yeah, teach them teach them some manners. So, uh, long story short, no. Uh, not to my knowledge. Yeah. Now, in if all going back all the way from from the fifties up to now, I I, I wish Jay Hawker was here because I bet he'd say, "Oh yeah, he, here yeah, we go." Know, yeah. Or Cal, Cal would yeah. say, "Oh yeah, let me tell you about this time." And and you know these two guys went out and somebody like that would know the story. I don't personally know of that instance. Let me say that it would be a sad day to see that actually happen on a firing line. That would yeah. be a sad day for us all. Yeah. Uh. So I'm not promoting the idea of, of uh, make no mistake, I'm not saying that's ever going to be an acceptable idea to have a fist fight on a firing line. Does the person asking the question, are they asking because they 
they want to be first? I don't know. He didn't. They didn't specify. I'm just curious. Yeah, they didn't specify. Has, well, has anybody ever done this? Knowing, I think I could knowing be this person, I'm going to say no, no, and I'm not going to say who it was. But no, this person's pretty cool, so it's probably not them. Okay. But uh, it's just an interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, so good question. It should never happen on the firing line. It should probably happen in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave yeah. it there. All right, moving on. Uh, this is number fourteen, and this is my final question that I was asked. And I, this one I will go down the rabbit hole on. Uh, this will be the furthest down the rabbit hole that I go. And this question is, why are you and Wildfire no longer CFDA regulators? Well, you're going to have to answer I'm that I'm creating one. an I'm, awkward, I'm not, I'm I'm creating an awkward silence. You yeah. ruined my awkward silence. I'm sorry. I'm never going to get to have that moment again. Hold on, yeah, wait. We can. No, it's not the same. Yeah. All right, the anyway. passed. It's actually not that. It's not that big of an answer, anyway. Well, it is a big answer, but it's not probably the answer people are expecting, or some of you may even want to hear. So we stepped down because, as, as I mentioned earlier, Wildfire had cancer last year, and praise God Almighty, she came through it in the best scenario that a person can come through that in. And we don't live our lives focused on that. We live our lives looking ahead. Uh, we are not those people that wish we could go back to the good old days. We are people that like to celebrate history and look for the most modern, efficient way to do it. Do you understand the difference? Not enough of you do. Uh, but that's what, that's, that's what we strive to be. So we overstretched ourselves last year so much that we she almost died literally and i almost went insane literally uh, about middle year last year we both kind of hit a a low point that it, it took quite a while for us both to bounce back from um so coming out of that we also we're, I don't, let me, let me say how, let me, let me figure out how to do this. So we are slaves to responsibility, both her and me, in that if we have agreed to do something, if we have agreed to take a role, if we have agreed to take a responsibility, we're going to do it. So I was also serving as the range master general for CFDA. For those of you that don't know what that was, it's pretty understandable. Uh, but I, I took care of all the range, the range master paperwork. I, I wasn't a general, uh, none of you listened to me anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, but we, we took care of all the range master paperwork for CFDA and we were very happy to do it. And let me, let me, let me make sure that you all understand that too. When Cal selected me to be the range master general and when Cal and CFDA, the other regulators selected us to be part of the regulator posse for CFDA, we were extremely proud, and we still are. Okay, let me make sure that you all understand that. So those of you that were waiting for the bad blood moment, no, it's not coming. We laid it down for the same reason that we laid down Bluegrass Fast Draw. We laid down every title that we had in that we are slaves to the responsibility, and we couldn't stop working. Okay? In the same day that I had to take wildfire to the hospital and in, in which I literally almost lost her. 
we updated the range master paperwork and sent it to the office before we went to the hospital. That's, that's what we were doing. We had to get away. We couldn't do it. We could not do it. Uh, we were, we were killing ourselves trying to get things, trying to keep things straight. We ran the largest event that has ever been held in the United, in the Eastern United States on a year when we should have canceled and not had an event at all. We should have. And I won that event. It was one of the greatest highlights of my shooting career. Shouldn't have been there. We should have canceled. I'll say that to this day. We we were too devoted. I Well, I don't know. That sounds kind of arrogant. We, we were just, I don't know. Slaves to responsibility sounds better. We couldn't stop. We weren't too good to stop. We just, we just couldn't. We just couldn't stop. So we had to separate ourselves for a resting period. Will we ever be leadership again? Folks, we've traveled to seven matches this year. We hit the ground running this year because, for one, we were celebrating life. And for two, every match that we went to, we went to because someone there needed us. So here's your breakdown. So we went to the very first Arkansas State Southern Territory. Uh, now, this equipment, this this everything was was set up and and was all run by Windmill Kid and Miss Betty and KK Kid, and they did a phenomenal job. And I'm not saying I did them any great service whatsoever, but Jackass Giles was the match director for Arkansas, and Jackass Giles is my brother. And if he ever calls me and asks me to do anything, I will do it. If he calls me and asks me to club one of you like a baby seal. Yeah, uh, you're in trouble. Uh, so he called me and, and asked for our help. So we went. Plus, it was only four hours from home, and it was a titled event, and that was great. But we went to help. We went to Georgia because we set Georgia up. We 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 did the Georgia match in Kentucky's dirt last year, and they took everything that we learned that we taught them and ran with it. Because folks, let me tell you, they did a phenomenal job phenomenal job we went to make sure they had everything that they needed and they did we wildfire did some scoring stuff for them i did arbitration that sort of thing but i they 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 were wonderful but we had to be there to make sure that they had that support if they needed it we had to go we went to michigan largely the same thing the others family don't need us not in any way are you kidding they're they're legends period but on the other hand, they wanted us to do the safety stuff. They wanted us to be there for scoring. We trained scorekeepers. We trained range masters. We trained, I'm not even a regulator anymore. And I know I at least sent some paperwork out with some people up there. Uh, the folks wanted our help, so we went and helped them. We went to Virginia most recently, and Wildfire ran the scoring for the event. I did my thing the best I could, and uh, I mean, I, I, and I guess that's my whole point. And this isn't a look at all everything that we do for you people. It's a matter of we can't quit. But we had to lay the titles down so we could at least move at our own pace. I, I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, well, you know, when, when there's no... When you have the title, the responsibility just feels... So, the obligation yeah. is much worse. Uh, you don't feel like you can say no because it's like this is my job, this is my responsibility, and, and there you I go. have to do that. You can't say no. We don't want to let anybody when, down. When you don't hold the title, maybe, and for guys like you, even then, it's it's hard. But maybe you can say no when 
you really need to say no. Right. But that's 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 so much harder. It's exponentially harder to do when you hold some sort of title. Make no mistake, folks. We want to help you. We absolutely want to help you in any way we can. We didn't need a title to do it. We were doing it before we had titles anyway. Uh, we don't have titles now. We'll still anything you can ever. If I could, if any of either one of us could ever help you, we're always here for that. So, long story short, that's why we're not currently CFDA regulators because we didn't need. We didn't need the title. And you Does that needed make a sense? break. Yeah. And absolutely. we needed a break. So absolutely. That's, that's why. And uh, I, I really appreciate you setting the record straight on that because uh it, none of that's what I heard. I I heard that it it was about some suppressed homosexual urges that you had. And I want you to know that I support you hundred percent. You're my brother. But that's what I heard. You know, you just had to step back and who deal told with you some they were suppressed? Well, I don't know, that's just the way I heard well, it. Well, I also gave up drinking last year, and that included Bud Light. So they got, I think that went with the Bud Light. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, well, it, for those of you that are curious, I quit drinking the same time I quit being a regulator. So it all went together. <laughs> just throwing that out there. That is a 100% true story, by the way. Uh, but that's where we're at with it. Um, folks. Those are all the questions that I have. Uh, if I've missed one, let me let me tune into the Facebook here and see if uh, see if I've missed one. I know this is an exceptionally long episode. We may have beaten the Jayhawker episode. But I want to go ahead and let you know at this point that this is also our last episode. And uh, not that we will never do another podcast, but we're not going to do a every week episodic podcast show anymore. Let me say that. So this will be the last one that you will see out of us for at least a while. Again, we need a break. We need a break. We're tired. We don't want to be, you know, we, I can't have your label on me, man. Yeah. You know, I not. I don't know what the hell it'd be right now, but I can't have your label on me, man. But it, I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're out. We're, we got to move. We got to move forward with our next idea too. Cause we're creative people move a mile a minute and always have to have something Something coming up. A, a new goal. Yeah. So I, I, we're going to head towards a new goal, so it could be interesting. But, yes, this will be the last Gunslinger podcast that we do for the foreseeable future. I like that you waited to the end to say that because it'll be like how many people actually made it to the end. Well, And how many people next week will say, where's the podcast? And I'm not going to type it <laughs> on the page either for that reason. You shouldn't. I think yeah, it's funny. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> But folks, thank you for tuning in for the 20th episode and for all the episodes that any of you have actually listened to in the past. We appreciate you for that. We hope that we shed positive light on your organization. And that's Cowboy Fast Draw, Extreme Fast Draw, World Fastest Professional, Ohio Fast Draw, World Fast Draw. We, we, hope, we hope we were a light for all of you. Uh, we, we absolutely, you'll notice that there are topics we didn't cover. I was, yeah, for those of you that were waiting on the rule 17, I was, I was going to say, how come there wasn't a rule 17 yeah, piss question? on you? <laughs> You're not getting that one out of me. Uh, not yet, but I, why, what is there to say? Yeah. So those of you that wanted that episode, nah, ain't getting it. So we, we, the world needs more positivity. I hope we brought that to you. Truth. Truth. So, Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for uh, tuning in and look forward to our next project because I talk way too much to ever truly shut up. 